Okay. Mm. Okay. Mm. Check, check, sounds... check, great. Check, 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 check. I'm just going to record us drinking tea, and that'll be the show. Okay, ready? And everybody's going to love it. Here we are yet again. It's Reconcinimation, a brand new episode, live from Hollywood. <laughs> it's our debut. Another debut episode. Another debut. Excellent. <laughs> so happy to have another debut episode. I'm telling you, we're gonna we're gonna keep it going. We're gonna keep that bit going. Here we go. No one's gonna tire of it. No. Uh, I'm John Diner, and I'm David Munchak. We're here looking at our favorite films from the '70s, '80s, and '90s, and Seeing if they hold up today as well as they did back then. All the movies from our youth, do they still work? Or uh, have we kind of turned around on them? Hmm. That's, that's the goal. That's what we're doing here. I, I, I like that we're doing this together. Well, but, we do everything together. Yeah, just about everything. <laughs> no, let's clarify just about. We're together about 110% of the day. <laughs> yeah. Just about. Um, well, this is uh, my favorite part because this is when everyone else gets to to join us. You know, it's not just you and me; it's that whole audience all, out there. We're all together. It's uh, all twelve of us. All twelve viewers, listeners. Very passionate twelve followers. Well, and they come from all over, right? They they come from all over. We're 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 we've got fans in Finland. Finland, that's true. That's a, that's an actual statistic. That is a real. That is a fact. So, hi to our Finnish fan. Thank you. We thank you very much. Send us an email. Um, Reconcinimation at gmail.com. That's it. We want to hear from you. Or tweet at us. We're at Reconcinimation. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, Facebook. Yes. Reconcinimation Podcast. Here we are. We're on the internet. Yeah. Well, you can find us anywhere. Check out all anywhere. of our social media. Check every single social thing. <laughs> Is there a thing called Cyberdust? Well, I, Check just signed, that. I just signed up a Friendster account. So oh, perfect. Yeah. Because you, you know that's back, right? You guys it's, all know It's got to be. Yeah. And My uh, account still works. So. <laughs> You're still getting I'm st- still getting. I'm still logging in. And yeah. st- everyone's still there. Uh, anyway, but yeah, we are looking at one of our favorites from the 80s. Absolutely. It's a 30th anniversary. That's right. As of uh, you guys listening to this, it, it debuted... A week prior to when our episode yes. comes out, July yes. 22. That is correct. 1988. And before before we dive into that, I just want to do a couple of quick plugs. Good idea. I want to thank our friends Curtis Moore for the awesome poster yet yes. again. Yes. He, he tops himself every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can check that out on, again, all of our social media mm-hmm. sites. And you can check that poster out and uh, link to his... Uh, Twitter and and Facebook page, so or just his Instagram. Or, sorry, Instagram and and Twitter. Yeah, he does. He doesn't. He's he's a private person. He keeps it yeah. just to the Insta. Right that's now. that's true. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and and our new, as you guys just heard, our new theme song uh, from our friend Ek Wimmer. Ek outdid himself. Outdid himself. Love it. Love the news. It's, it's the amazing. News. And there's uh, there's more to come. So yeah. so thank you, Ek. Thank you, Curtis. You're uh, helping us make these episodes a hundred times better. Yeah. Mm, maybe a thousand. <laughs> maybe maybe three thousand. <laughs> it's a team effort. So Absolutely. thank you guys and, and you guys check them out. Uh, and now we're getting into the let's take a look at what movie we're looking at this week. Robert De Niro is a bounty hunter. 
Your mother ever teach you how to talk nice to people and not shoot at them? Charles Grodin is an accountant who embezzled $15 million from the mob. It is truly in your best interest to just relax. I'm totally relaxed. I want this guy taken off. I want him taken off fast. The mob wants him dead. The FBI want him alive. I'm going to bring him into federal court. Do I make myself understand? These sunglasses, they're really nice. Are they government issued or do all you guys go like to the same store to get them? And his bail bondsman wants him in L.A. in 72 hours. They can't fly. They also suffer from acrophobia and claustrophobia. I'll tell you what, if you don't cooperate, you're going to suffer from fistophobia. Travel has a funny way of bringing people together. Are you going to outrace the police car? You're going to outrace the police car. Jack, where are you? I'm in Boise, Idaho. I'm in Anchorage, Alaska. Why would you do that? Oh, you enjoy yourself. This is my room, and that's your room. Good night. I was somewhere between Toledo and Cleveland. Oh, no, no. Come on, come on. Cigarettes are killers. Those are hired killers back there. I can't take this. Hired to kill who? Hired to kill this guy. You had this guy, what, four days? Uh... Look, you got five hours left. From the director of Beverly Hills Cop. What is your plan? You guys look like you do a lot of traveling. Yeah. Midnight Run. We're flashing back to 1988. The great year of 1988. Yeah. It's Robert De Niro. It's Charles Grodin, who's on the, the tips of everybody's tongues. <laughs> Charles Grodin. Yeah. Midnight Run. Yes, Midnight Run. Now, I loved this movie when it came out. Oh, yeah? I know I've said that before, but I loved it. That's a common refrain from you, yes. Yes. You I, yeah. Did you see this in the theater? I did. Did you? I... Well, yeah, I'm gonna let me just dive into this oh, now. Oh my god, all right. But <laughs> here we go. Travel so, back to nineteen ninety. When I was when I was young, John, mm-hmm. growing up in New York, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents both worked and I would go to my grandmother's house and it was a it was a thing that she would take me to movies that maybe my parents weren't so into me seeing mm-hmm. at the, at that young age. You know, I was about eight years old when this came out right so uh she took me to see rambo three godfather three young guns wow uh which is something else we'll be i think we're gonna be taking a look at young guns pretty soon Hmm, maybe yeah stay tuned stay tuned midnight run was another one of those movies all right but it was a very big uh we had a big connection through seeing these movies together. It was just something my grandmother and I did. Yeah. And it was just good, a great bonding experience. And I will always look at these movies, whether I think the movie is good or not anymore. I mean, we saw some Michael Dudikoff movies, some Chuck <laughs> Norris stuff that sure. definitely don't hold up, but yeah. they're fun, you know, they're fun for one reason or another. But I'll still always have a connection to the movies because of the experience of who, when I saw it, who I was with, yeah, you know, which was my grandmother for a lot. So I call you know my grandma collection. Your grandma collection. That's, yeah. Oh, that's really sweet. It that's, is sweet. I I know. Just a quick question. I know you have uh, an extensive movie library. Do at I? Home. I think. I mean, it's pretty good. It's. And I know that on, on occasion you will rearrange it, and and for 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 different reasons. 
Maybe. Uh, I think by year of release, by alphabetical, by when you saw it. I have I have once done a chronological <laughs> as you saw it as I saw it. Oh yeah. my god! So which did, was tough. That was that was a challenge. Did you ever do a grouping of like of movies with the grandma, movies in college, movies from high school, stuff yeah. like that? Did you ever the, do something like? Yeah, what, that basically was like that mm-hmm. for when I did it chronologically. I have. Oh, I guess that would make. I sense. don't know. I have like what like a thousand. DVD, 900 DVD, something yeah. like that. All bootleg. Go <laughs> get them. Go get them, boys. Well, I, no, I'll, set up a, I'll set up a tripod in the back of the theater with <laughs> yeah. my big VHS recorder. <laughs> right. And I'll just, just shh, I'm rolling, guys. Yeah. Quiet down. Yeah. No popcorn in this row. Yeah, at least, at least if you bootleg them, you were getting them yourself. Yeah. You'd pay, you're I, at least paying for that ticket. I, I would pay for the ticket and, and the, the tape. Yeah. There you go. Well, I see. So, I so this movie is one of those yes. grandma films. This is a grandma collection. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, Benji the Hunted. That, that's in there. <laughs> did she? Did she have a commentary on after you get out of a movie? Did she talk to you about the film, filmmaking, the the quality of the film, or is this this is just an experience with my grandson? No, it was just yeah, it was just an experience. She yeah. she wasn't uh, a cinephile really. I mean, she liked. There was a lot of films she liked. Mm-hmm. Number one was The Godfather. She watched it every day. Never heard of it. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> You're fired. Uh, she watched that movie religiously, mm-hmm. like seriously almost every day, or a part of it every day. Wow, yeah. Uh, but we, the, the time period of when I saw movies with her, I think the first one was some kind of, I remember being really young, some kind of re-release of Bambi. Mm. And I, I was probably three or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last one, I think, was Batman Returns. Wow. So it was like a 10-year period of just us going to the movies. And then I got into, like, my younger... Skateboarding. Teen- yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you're an avid skateboarder. Yeah. So I moved out of going to see movies yeah, with right. uh, the family. So. Sorry. Sorry, Gran. Going mm. to the skate park. <laughs> Which is how you sounded. Um well, great. Uh, so you you had a you had a certain lens to experience this movie, and, yeah. And uh, now you get to revisit it through different through a different lens, but always, yeah. But I'll always have that one link to it. That, That's nice. That, even if I don't like the movie now or don't like it as much, I'll still have a, a, an emotional connection. Got to it. it. Yeah. For me, this uh, specifically Midnight Run, um, I had seen bits of this movie. Never, never sat down and watched it from the beginning. Um, never. No, just you saw it what on TV or I think I think a friend had it, and I might have seen a part of it on a sleepover, mm-hmm. or this. Yeah, I, I, I did don't even see it know again on a sleepover too. I don't yeah. know if this was on TV that much. I, like I had an awareness of this movie, but I'm I'm, I'm assuming it must have been playing on cable and it. I remember you know, it briefly doing that, but I. It's another. It's a movie that has sort of disappeared. I mean, it was on Netflix for a little while mm-hmm. and then was gone. Uh, and it's not. I mean, you can do. rent it on Amazon, but it's it hasn't been on like the free, yeah, you know, service for a while. That's and it's true. not a movie that's been in the public eye for any reason. People don't point to it a lot. You no, know, there's a. I mean, and in the genre of buddy flicks, you know, while this is one of one of many, uh, there's other movies that just seem to stand out in the zeitgeist of yeah, a buddy cop. Not cop movies, but buddy flicks. Yeah, um, 
So I, I, know, I think this is like an under. This is um sort of an um what do you call it? Underestimated? No, under underappreciated. Underappreciated. Under. Well, there's a lot of most of the people that I've known that whenever this movie does come up, mm-hmm. they're, they're like, oh yeah, well, I love Midnight Runs great. I love it. Yeah. But when was the last time you saw it? Oh, uh, eighty-eight or ninety-one. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I think it was time to re-examine it yeah. and see if it still works today, especially compared to a lot of the other buddy. You know, we keep saying buddy cop. It feels like a buddy cop movie. Yeah, it's essentially a buddy cop movie, but yeah, they're not cops. So. They're not cops. Yeah, they're, but they're but there's a lot of buddy flicks. Just yes, two guys on an and typically two men, two guys mm-hmm. on an adventure. Where with, with opposing agendas, yeah, or at least, um, well, not and not every time. Obviously, a lot of a lot of joint it doesn't matter. <laughs> but this was right in the middle of a lot of that that eighties that eighties version of a buddy film. Yes. So, like, what was going on? Well, this followed. I mean, the buddy. I I always feel like the buddy movie kind of started with Forty Eight Hours. Yeah, like well, you, like this modern the take, modern right? buddy. Yeah. yeah, there have been buddy uh, movies since the whatever. I mean, since going movies, back, really? I yeah. guess, right? I mean, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is a buddy movie, but mm-hmm. but it, with that '80s spin on it, I, I feel like started with Forty Eight Hours. Yeah. Most people look at Lethal Weapon as kind of the the standard. Yeah, the epitome of it. Mm-hmm. The real. Where they nailed everything. The refinement, you know? of, like Forty Eight Hours, is it? I watch. I had watched that a few week months ago after a very long absence from it, and you could see it. it it's like ar- the archetypes are all there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It felt like this seems like the original because you couldn't. You can tell there was not a. They weren't copying ne- necessarily everything they, right. from from any of these other buddy from, and they're specifically putting it in a cop right. situation, and like, boy, I feel like I've seen this, but in other. All the re- all the rest, all the ones that come after. Yeah, yeah. yeah two <clears throat> o- opposite characters forced together for one reason or another on some kind of journey, whether it's fighting against the clock or or traveling from one you know one place to another destination. Yeah, with with the clock being a factor too, it's it's some kind of mix of all that. TikTok baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I thought I thought and I thought Robert De Niro was like the coolest. When I was eight, I thought this Robert De Niro was the coolest guy in the world. That actually might be a true statement though. That actually might be objectively true. Well that, he he is not cooler. I think that is probably this is probably him at his his, coolest. Him at his coolest, yeah. Him But I thought he was cool like Jack Walsh was cooler than Riggs, was cooler than any Schwarzenegger oh, character. Yeah. Just in when I saw this for the first time, mm-hmm. like oh look at that, look at De Niro, look, that leather jacket. He just he's constantly smoking. Oh my god! I mean, chronic. smoking all the way through this movie. Yes, and and, a- and between this and Die Hard, which was the same, basically within a month of each other, I think. Yeah, those guys made smoking look pretty cool. Yeah, smoking's not cool. It's not cool, kids. No, thank you. <laughs> Don't do it. But um, it but- looked cool. It certainly did. There was something about that combo. 
of yeah that jacket that leather jacket yeah. that he had on it's really it's just, the jacket that ties it it's a great he looks great in that, that outfit yeah. just his whole thing ensemble just great just the and but and he's definitely uh there's something about his character where he's not he's not aware of how cool he is right whereas a lot of these well he's almost kind of a loser in the movie yeah well really. he is yeah um but he he still has to go confidently you know, yeah, but he's not like overconfident. He's not like a Travolta, too cool. Oh, don't, too cool I for school guy. We're, we will get to that. <laughs> we will get to the Travolta, too cool for hey, school late '90s thing. The coolest Travolta ever was was in Look Who's Talking, because I don't think he was too cool then. Um, you're not going to get an argument from me. <laughs> that uh, the Travolta thing. I'm sidebarring right now, but that that drives me nuts. Okay, I hear you. I'm, I'm with you. Like he's that's still, why I brought it up. He has still, like to this day, still rides that Pulp Fiction yeah. wave of fame. Every single movie. Now, I will say that he did have a good performance in the O.J. Simpson oh. uh, miniseries, the the um, Ryan Murphy one. Yeah, yeah. I, I still it's in my queue. I haven't. Seen oh, you got to see that. I want to see it. But uh, most of all the action movies, it's. Ugh, between after Pulp Fiction was Broken Arrow and Face Off and all the Get Shorty, it's like the same cool guy Let's thing see. that he still does. You know, can we just pause the <laughs> podcast right now because I want to watch Face Off. <laughs> all right, let's go watch Face Off. We'll come right. <laughs> we'll back. come right back. Uh, anyway, we're right. sidebar. But. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, De Niro, uh, probably the coolest he's ever looked for me. And he's also does the, a lot of the stereotypical De Niro. I mean, he does that De Niro face. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this was the first time. I, I think this is when that that stereotypical De Niro character, the almost caricature of himself, kind of started in this movie. Yeah, I could see that. Like with the when people do an impression of yes. De Niro in the face, there's hints of it there. Yeah, because then it, it's like he was leaning on these things that. Because this is like his first big comedy. This is right? right. So this is he found out he, he proved he can do comedy by being himself mm-hmm. in a sense, and then he just heightened that after every in every movie after that. Yeah. But this is probably his best comedic performance. I, I for me, yeah for I me, would say. I mean he's funny and all the other stuff. But I I appreciate this because it's real character work. He's, yes, he's genuine. Meet the parents is a lot more gag heavy. Yeah. And obviously the comedy revolves around Ben Stiller. Yes, the comedy quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> and De Niro was playing against that, but not actually doing like out and out comedy stuff. No, he just just being the he was sort of being the heavy Yeah. You know, and playing the stereotypical protective yeah. father in law. Like he he's leaning into he had to lean into the the scripted like tropes of the, right. of that shit. He's got some good lines. The, oh yeah. You know, but. Either way. But I think, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. This is like, this, this is him at his best comedic performance, and it's because it's just the most unrefined. Yeah. He's just natural, just being, uh. So we're, so we're, we're, we're 1988. That's when it was released. What's the film scene like in 1988? Um, we're just before, it's just before Die Hard comes out, right? Yeah, I think so. I think Die Hard was, I want to say Die Hard was August, but I could be wrong there. Uh, uh, like, Die Hard was in July. July. That so. was the week before. Yeah. Actually. So we're right around the same time as Die Hard. Yeah. 
the we talked a, a couple of episodes back about New Hollywood mm-hmm. in the 1970s American film scene. That's completely died out by this point. That's that whole new wave period of cinema is over. Yeah, and you know just to, just to rattle off, I'm going to rattle off the top ten grocers of 1987, hmm. so you can see where where the American film scene had morphed from gone away from the Godfathers and Chinatowns and Apocalypse Nows and Taxi Drivers to uh, ready? Yeah. Okay. Top grossing films 1987. Yeah. Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> Number one. Number one. Alright. Fatal Attraction. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Good Morning Vietnam. Moonstruck. The Untouchables. The Secret of My Success. Stakeout. Lethal Weapon. Wow. And The Witches of Eastwick. How about that? So while you have a lot of actors from, or some actors from the 70s still around and some directors from the 70s still around, it's the whole, the kind of film that is in your top 10 is totally different. It's entirely entertainment based now. Yeah. And four of those films are cop based. Yeah. <laughs> right. By the way. Right. <laughs> the, the cop thing in the 80s was huge. I mean, movie after movie after movie yeah. about cops. cops and cool cops and cops chasing down somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that the, I, I enjoy a lot, many of those movies. Sure. It's just a totally different kind of movie that is what the audience is really going after at yeah, this point. That's what they're going for. Yeah. Uh, three men and a baby was the number one. Number one. Four qua- I, that's a four quadrant picture if there ever was that, one. That's in my grandma collection. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so this is 87 when they're making this film. These are the t- This is what's successful. So no wonder this thing was going to happen. This sort of, this buddy cop movie. Yeah. Basically a buddy cop movie. It's the right time for this kind like, of movie. Like, you know, yeah, this is, uh, this is it. Someone's going to strike big yeah. out there. They want to. And so where did this story co- Who's Who's behind this movie? We've got George Gallo mm-hmm. is the writer. He's a writer. Martin Brest is the director. He's directed. Who's He has, yeah. <laughs> and not somebody you hear anything about anymore. Right. Because... Hmm. Did something happen with what him? What was the last movie that... Can you, do you, can you recall the last movie he directed? I, I don't know. Gili. Was Gili his, yeah. l- his last film? That was his last film he directed. That was uh, legendarily uh, a bomb? A huge bomb. Huge. How can you, how can you bomb with J-Lo and Batflick? And what I'm not sure is if, if the, how poorly that movie was received huh. at the time, like that he couldn't get work after that, or just chose to just stop He's like, directing. I'm done. I, I feel like it's more of that, but... Maybe he didn't want to keep making the crap movies that the studios wanted to put out. Yeah. Well, and the heat for that <laughs> one all went, basically all landed on Ben Affleck. Yeah. Because he was just doing crap movie after crap movie, one after another. Yeah, he was a joke in Hollywood. Yeah, well, he had to, I mean, he stopped acting for a while, yeah. and then, then, what was it? Uh, Unfairly a joke. I mean, he's just, you know, he's part of, he's doing bad projects, but. Yeah, yeah. He was just picking poor projects. Yeah, to do. so, yeah. People sort of laughing at him trying to be successful, trying to... Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he just... And they were just, just tired of him. Yeah. I worry that Dwayne Johnson's heading in that direction. 
Yeah, maybe he could stop making disaster films that don't make any money. Stop doing like four movies a year <laughs> yeah. that are all huge action movies. Anyway, so we're sidetracking. Again. Dwayne Johnson fatigue. <laughs> Let's go back to Martin Brest. So Martin Brest, he wants in. Yeah, so Martin Brest is a director who's kind of on the rise at this point. Mm-hmm. He'd done a, a movie called Going in Style, which starred George Burns, Art Carney, and Lee Strasberg, which are all <laughs> legends in their own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, another sort of buddy movie with these about these three older guys. Yeah. Uh, but his big film is Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Which is... What a movie. Near the top of my list. So. My favorite Paul Reiser movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's in your Paul Reiser That's, collection. Yeah, I've got every Paul Reiser <laughs> film. And, well, who uh, doesn't? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's my top. That and Alien. Zuh. Zuh. Uh, so Beverly Hills Cop is a huge movie launching... I take that back. Not launching Eddie Murphy's career, but really sending it into the stratosphere. Yeah, he just skyrockets after that. Yeah, I mean he's already he's already a big deal. Yeah, uh, but now now he can carry a film. Yeah, and it reflects really well for Martin Brest and and uh, who's on the rise with uh, he was involved with Paramount a lot, mm-hmm. so that's kind of where his home base is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he connects with George Gallo, and they develop this. Uh, George Gallo has was just coming off of uh, a Brian De Palma film called Wise Guys. Mm. You've seen it, the yes. Joe the Joe Piscopo classic. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Joe Piscopo, Danny DeVito, Captain Lou Albano. You oh, don't my. you don't get a better <laughs> combo of of people than that. That is uh, that is high caliber talent. It's I haven't high seen caliber. that movie in a while, but that's a strange. I remember it being. A strange movie yeah. I that tr- I liked, but strange. Yeah. It's in the grandma collection. No. Okay. No. 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 Uh, no. Uh, I don't think I've actually ever seen it. Well, we're gonna the Piscopo. Yeah. But so they they connect uh, while they're at Paramount and mm-hmm. start developing an action comedy. Uh, they and it's based off of, which I think this is something that many of us can identify with the movie. It's based off of George Gallo's parents and the way they interact with each other. Oh, that was the whole foundation of these two characters mm-hmm. of wow. Mardukas and Jack Walsh. I can see that. Oh yeah, totally. The like, bickering and the kind of maneuvering, one maneuvering the other yeah. into changing their view sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And in a, and, a, and in a loving way. Yeah. Eventually. Eventually, but yeah. Like a, but an old couple who knew each other yeah. in a certain way. But a lot of bickering and yelling <laughs> yeah. at each other and yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the foundation where this came from. That's genius. Uh, and Gallo was more of the idea guy. So he kind of came up with the ideas, and, and Martin Brest kind of formulated it into a cohesive story. Okay. So that, that was kind of how their relationship worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, the script was, was still with Paramount, and they had released Beverly Hills Cop, so they're looking for a big, a big film you know, from that same part of that same creative team, mm-hmm. so this is hopefully gonna gonna follow that up. Who's in the movie? We mentioned him already, but Bobby De Niro, Bobby D, Bobby De, Robert De Niro, yeah, um, who's at the height, probably at the height of his career. This guy's doing right? movies left and right. He's, he's in everything. He's been around for almost twenty years by this point, right? But hit after hit. Whether it's just 
a creative hit or a financial hit. Uh, just a stellar record at this point. Yeah. I don't know if you can say that now, but hey. Hey. The guy, you want, you want this guy in your movie. Yeah. You, know? you want this guy. You call this guy. So he'd been want, he'd been doing serious movie serious movie after serious movie. All of his films have been Oscar contender, heavy drama. Yeah. You know, when you've got Mean Streets and Godfather 2, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, a lot of very heavy material. Mm-hmm. And he's looking to do something different. He's just uh, he'd done some of his big films of the 80s, Raging Bull, King of Comedy, once Upon a Time in America, Brazil. He's got a small part Brazil. in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, the Mission, which is a super heavy film. Angel Heart and The Untouchables. So that's kind of like the big movies he'd done leading into this. Right going, he was releasing a movie like every year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, just about. Or not, you know. Yeah. Pretty much, if not, you know, every year and a half. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of big movies. But they're all, you know, they're all giant films and... Ones that still, you know, are still in discussion today. But at this point, he wants to do something different, wants to shake it up, change things up. So he's looking for a comedy. Wow. And that's pretty amazing. Can you guess the movie that he's pursuing? See, in the 80s, probably something like, like, Twins. <laughs> Who would be his twin? I don't know. If you cast you'd, have to, you'd have to be like Andre the Giant, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Would you, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. Would I know. I be... guess, you know, like a Billy Crystal would be a good one for twins, but they did that and analyzed this. That, oh, see. That kind of jumped out. But. Oh. Hmm. hmm. They, it was 20 years later. Yeah. And they did it. They finally. Um, what did he? What was uh, it was big. He was going after the, the the script for Big was floating around, and that was the movie he really wanted to. He wanted Big, and I can't I can't what? see that. Forty <laughs> two year old Robert De Niro playing Josh Baskin. Yeah, no way. I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> that'd be a crazy. movie. I get where he's at, and that he wanted to do something really different and, yeah. and light, much lighter. Yeah, and Penny Marshall wanted him to do it, but uh, oh really? I think Fox was was the one who kind of put the kibosh on it. They wanted a, which I think was the right call, and it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm sure they want to be in business with De Niro at this point, but that's not just right. not with this project. That's not the right thing. Yeah, because like Tom Hanks was probably thirty, young thirties when he did that movie. Yeah, and he kind of, and I just can't imagine like as t- t- talented as De Niro is to play a teenager. I can't you know, like that youthful thing isn't going to come out. It's yeah. going to be, it's going to be kind of hacky, probably. And he or was just, a, I don't know. And he was getting this reputation at this point as one of the greatest living actors. Yeah. Although I, I don't, I don't disagree with Fox's decision to not have him do it. I, I can't see him playing a, a, that youthful yeah. kid that, that Hanks did so well. So you got to find something that's maybe age appropriate. For yeah. Him, just something and something that will play to his strengths. And I think Jack Walsh is. That's 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 perfect. Yeah. There, there's touches of him th- in that character. Um, you, you could say that the part was written for him in a sense. In a sense, but yeah. I think, but, but I think he made it so much of his own. You, you wouldn't know whether or not it was right, right? Because I don't. It wasn't right. I don't no, think it they, wasn't. It wasn't written for him. No. Although when Paramount, well, I think all the studios knew that he was interested in a comedy. Yeah. So Paramount, when they had this script in development, 
heard that De Niro's looking, kind of paired them together. And I think pretty quickly they, you know, with these kinds of roles, everybody was up for, if you, if you look online and you look at the list of who was up for these roles, it was everybody, every major star was, you know, a potential lead for this role. For, but, for Jack. Yeah, for the Jack Walsh character. Oh, okay. But uh, I think De Niro pushed hard that he want, he it wasn't the studio trying to push somebody on it. He wanted this role, too. He went for it. Yeah. Uh, they also wanted... The more interesting role that they were casting was the Mardukas role. Mm-hmm. They Paramount wanted Cher to do it and wanted ah. to have a sexual tension. Yeah. Uh, but Martin Brest kind of put his foot down that it needed... He wanted to keep it, a, a, you know, two guys. Two dudes. And sure. not have the sexual tension overtake the film he yeah. didn't want to turn it into a, a a romantic thing yeah which it would have so we had to settle for pink cadillac i think uh <laughs> years later or around the same time yeah it's around the same i don't time. know when pink cadillac came out <laughs> but uh they wanted bruce willis for the role chevy chase was up for it albert brooks oh, god i could see albert albert brooks and charles groden i think were pretty close for and Brooks and De Niro had the taxi driver connection. Yeah, but yeah. So, hmm. Chevy might have been too. I think he would have made the role, role too comedic yeah. with his like we talked about on the vacation show. His hmm. physical comedy. Yeah, I don't think that would have worked in this spot. Yeah, he played a little too broad, a little too, little too gimmicky. Yeah, or, you know, yeah, with his. With his style, I don't yeah. think. Uh, boy, Jimmy Chase, I can't even imagine. And Bruce Willis, I like. I, I see him as Jack Walsh. I don't see him as Mardukas. Even even well, mid eighties, Bruce Willis. Well, they they wanted they wanted him. They didn't want him for Jack Walsh. No, not at the time. Really. And this is remember, this is pre Die Hard when this casting is going on. Yeah. Die Hard has not oh, yeah, come yeah, out yeah. yet. So wow. you got to look at it from from that. It's they're looking at moonlighting. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis and and whatever the other films were were Blind Date maybe Blind Date yeah I yeah. think maybe <laughs> uh, all right, did so one he... with James Garner that was kind of a comedy oh yeah uh, so so that didn't work out but uh, they the other the last big name that they were pushing was Robin Williams now Robin Williams was a good good friend of De Niro at the time oh yeah the I think De Niro wanted him, the studio wanted him, Martin Brass did not want him. While they're auditioning, Charles Grodin had come in and read with De Niro, and Brest was immediately saw the connection between the two of them and knew that with Robin Williams, his star power would overtake the film. So he didn't want to have two like mega leads working with each other right so and he felt that the connection was there between there was a good energy between De Niro and Charles Grodin yeah they're so they're so different they're so odd they're like an odd couple yeah well exactly but it god damn it sings it's so good I love them together it is and I don't know how many great Charles Grodin performances there are he's a really interesting casting choice that sure it totally worked but he's coming off of, he's in Rosemary's Baby. He's in mm-hmm. King Kong, mm-hmm. which are two roles that are nothing like Jonathan Mardukas. Mm-mm. 
uh, and a bunch of uh, a, a lot of films in the early 80s that didn't really have much of an impact mm-hmm. so his casting kind of came out of nowhere but it works perfectly yeah he's got the total right vibe you can't you're not selling that movie on uh, on Charles Grodin being in it necessarily but the pairing with De Niro uh, it, it's gonna have to stand on its own I don't know how you market this movie necessarily. Yeah. But I guess, I, I don't know. Well, you, I mean, you, when you, you watch the trailer, it's it's real heavy on De Niro. Yeah, I guess it, Yeah, I guess that's true. That's and, true. And essentially, he's the lead in the film. Mm-hmm. Even though it is a buddy movie, you spend a lot more time with De Niro. The whole opening of the movie is, that's true. is just De Niro before, and it's a while before you even see Mardukas. Well, and... And I guess that's true because really the one with the the most the biggest arc of any I mean the only pretty much the only arc is Jack Walsh, Mardukas is Mardukas has a bit of an arc. I mean he 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 opens up and he grows a little bit, but yeah. he's not fundamentally changed by this adventure. No. Whereas, I think I think well, Walsh, it's about yeah, it's about Jack Walsh's yeah. change. Anyway. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of other actors in this film. There's a lot of people. great actors in this film. A lot of people. Show. Like, it feels like everybody, <laughs> all of Hollywood. John Ashton, who was had worked with Martin Brest in Beverly Hills Cop, right? One was also in Beverly Hills Cop Two. True, just the year before. Yeah, as Sergeant Taggart. Mm-hmm. Great character. Uh, Joe Pant, Joey Pants. Joey Pants. Joe Pantoliano. Who was in prior to this was it was Goonies, Risky Business, kind of that slimy character. Yes, slimy is perfect (laughs) to (laughs) describe any role that Joe Pantoliano does. But he's so good. Yeah, and he just gets better. I mean, if wait, wait. Wait till we talk about the Sopranos, which yeah, well, we're gonna find a way to talk about our Sopranos, Sopranos podcast that we'll <laughs> definitely do, episode by episode. Oh yeah, three hour coverage on each episode. How many Sopranos podcasts do you think are out there? I um, looked, and there's like one. Seven thousand. One. <laughs> there's one. Oh well, they're they're, they're, so they're the best. I'm we're thinking not... about doing it. Okay. Wow, good luck. We have look. We have a whole. We have Recon Cinema Studios. It's, we is, we bought an entire studio yeah, lot. That's true. This is this place is huge. I can go in the next room and record Just, a whole different podcast. <laughs> you, why wouldn't you use the same room? Well, you got. I have the room, so I I got to use it. <laughs> May as well take advantage. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, it's yeah. a it's a little lonely. We we have this huge studio, and there's. I mean, we've got our uh, intern Tony, and our intern Beth. Yeah. Uh, and that intern, uh, Allison. And when I send him across the lot to grab some coffee, yeah, it's 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 a walk. It's it's a walk for them. It's so it's kind of quiet while they're gone. Yeah. Oh, and that uh, the other uh, intern, Brent. Yes. We have a lot of interns. We have a lot, yeah. and we've fired a bunch already. <laughs> they they the keep... turnaround is high. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been, it's, it's a it's a difficult job that working for us that not everyone's up for. <clears throat> but. Boy, they really want to get our recommendation letter at the end. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, who else? Uh, Yafet Kodo. Oh, baby. From Live and Let Die and mm-hmm. Alien. Mm-hmm. Fantastic actor who was sick the entire making of this movie. I was going to say, is he, he did not seem like he, he was having a good time. No, and he didn't. He yeah. talked about how it was, this was kind of a miserable experience. He, just, he had a fever and was sick the entire time. 
I don't know. He's in a lot of the movie too. And he's yeah, he's got a fair <laughs> amount. Like you must have been sick for weeks. Yeah, he wasn't doing well. But you know that happens. Sometimes you get those those bugs that it takes a few weeks to sure. get rid of. And if you're working, you know you're not sleeping and they're on location and there's just you're you're not really gonna. You're having a tough winter. Yeah, you're just having a tough time. Poor guy. Well, he made it through. He made it through, and then he did. Uh, Homicide. Then he did, <laughs> Before that, he did Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Oh. Whew. When yeah. we get into that one? Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> but he's great in Homicide. Of course. Uh, we Who else do we have? Jack Keogh is a character actor yeah. who was in The Sting and also in The Untouchables and Young Guns 2. And that's the second time I've said Young Guns today. Mm. Weird. Well, you mention Young Guns a lot. Well, comes up. It does come up you, every day. You don't really know. You don't notice it, but you do it all the time. Sometimes I just think about Charlie Sheen and Young Guns. Yeah. You wear, and you wear that T-shirt. The, yeah. That uh, just. Well, you have like three. And I've got the holster with the <laughs> sidearms. So. Yeah. Dennis Farina. Wow, what a great, what a great job he did. Great, unbelievable. Uh, how so awesome funny. is he? So great. Now, I think he's at his best in the Michael Mann films that he's in. Yeah. Manhunter mm-hmm. and Manhunter. Manhunter. And Manhunter. Yeah. With a small part in Thief. But, uh, of course, oh, he's in Miami Vice and he's in Crime Story, which, which actually is funny because the reason they shot all of his characters' scenes in, in Las Vegas is because he was in, Dennis Farina was in Vegas to film the series crime story oh so he, so that's, he had to be, he they just went to... there like oh well we'll make that work we'll work that into the yeah, story and that makes sense. just shoot all his scenes there and it'll uh-huh. be easier for him and and he's like such an intense gangster mm-hmm. i take i feel like his character in this and his character in get shorty are very similar mm-hmm. he's a bit more of a loser in get shorty but just the same kind of level of threatening violence constantly about constantly threatening his guys and yeah. beating the hell out of them. Just, and, yeah, I just love it. he's 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 so put up put upon about these guys. They're just like they're they're total screw ups. No matter how they perform. Yeah, his two guys that like, are like following yeah. Jack and Mardukas. There's more on number one. Yeah, putting more on number two <laughs> on the phone, and then he yeah he threatens how he's gonna. He's gonna he's he's gonna fly down there and blowtorch them both, or, <laughs> <laughs> or or doesn't he threaten Philip Baker Hall with yeah. uh, beating his head in with a telephone? Yeah, he's which gonna, I know he said that line in several movies. Beat him with the yeah with the yeah he he's it's probably his line. That's probably yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's his go. I'm gonna climb over this table and bear this phone in your head or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, Philip Baker Hall too. Yeah, great to see him. Now Philip Baker Hall was never. I don't think he was ever young. No, yeah, he was twenty five in this movie. <laughs> He's twenty five, <laughs> but looks not a day younger than sixty. <laughs> no, and then you know, twenty years later, he's showing up in movies. Looks yeah. the same. <laughs> I just was, I was just going through Seinfeld, and he's in oh, an yeah. episode of Seinfeld. He's Bookman, and, right? But yeah, Bookman. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my god, so good. But he, I don't. I think this is the one of the first movies I remember seeing Philip Baker Hall in. Mm. I wouldn't recall. I don't know if he was in doing theater before that or or. What? But this is one of the first on-screen appearances, I think, for him, hmm. or at least of 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 name value. Well, we'll have to cover it on our Philip Baker Hall podcast. Oh yeah, that's that's coming soon coming for sure. Coming soon, <laughs> coming in twenty twenty two from Recon Cinema Studios. 
And all their scenes are together. Phil Baker Hall. Yeah, he's only Dennis with Farina. Farina. Yeah. yeah. And he just has to play this the straight this straight yeah. guy trying to advise him. And Farina's like, ah, just, uh, just eat a sandwich and have some milk. Yeah. Go do something. Like, he's just, <laughs> just totally dismissive of all these people. Yeah. No matter what they're like. Uh, so they started filming in October 87 through m- around March of 88, three, uh, $30 million budget. Mm-hmm. They filmed all over the place, as you do with a road trip movie. Yeah, they were which, legitimately everywhere. Yeah, they were more places than you'd think. New York, Ohio, Nevada. Michigan. Michigan. Arizona. Arizona. California. San- California. Yeah. Maybe Los Angeles. Maybe, I, I bet Los Angeles. I bet. Uh, and New Zealand. Where they? Well, they, they shot part of the rapids. I guess it, when they go in the water, it's it was too cold to actually have them in the water. Uh, okay. So they went all the way to New Zealand where it was warmer For, and just to shoot those those scenes. Really? Those part of those scenes. Wow. Halfway around the world. What you can do with a big budget movie, yeah. I tell you. Well, I'll say $30 million for this thing. Shit. That, it was... Well, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot. Of I mean, money. De Niro. De Niro had to be expensive. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they've got a Some good a actions. decent amount of actors, and it's more the like locations because they're so all over the place. Yeah, that's a lot to do. Yeah, every all that you can't repeat all that moving and shipping and Ugh. shipping all of De Niro's belts just in probably one truck. Oh yeah, his yeah. belt. Well, his you know, and you know, he huge. had forty five of those leather jackets. Oh yeah. He he, he'd wear it once. Costumers like it. costumers might double, triple an outfit. He's like, give me forty five of everything. Although he does only wear that one outfit, you probably needed to. Oh, I'm sure. He's like, I don't wear laundered clothes. <laughs> I only right off, only freshly tailored, <laughs> right off the rack. There are some people that do that. I'm not going to name names, mm. but uh, there are certain people that wear Outfits one item once. of clothing and then they insist on it being thrown away like in the garbage not in the garbage like get out of here given away uh but we're so we we're talking about a road trip movie so yeah. this is this, this is, is kind of a, a mix of like the odd couple right. meets national lampoon's vacation right or wouldn't you say that wouldn't you say so i think i'm right about that it wouldn't odd couple and uh and national lampoon's vacation wouldn't you say that's more planes trains and automobiles yeah, I would throw that in there. Yeah, I think this is right That's on the same, cut in the same cloth. Here. Yes. Yeah, but I think you're right. It's but a little more injecting, a lot more action. True. Yeah, and less. Is, I don't know if I'd say less comedy, but it's just more action. Yeah, there's more action. Yeah, there's uh, and high stakes. Lots of yeah. Lots of death, gunfire. Gunplay. Is there a lot of there's no one death. dies. Well, no, that's not true. Oh, two people die. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> that's the weird thing about De Niro's about Jack Walsh that, and I don't know if it's part of the '80s thing of like taking the action so lightly. Like mm-hmm. people dying in action movies in the '80s, did there's no emotional mm-hmm. feeling behind it. They just die and you move on. Yeah. Like like Rambo and and. And the Schwarzenegger movies, like yeah. they kill tons of people with no sadness, no moment of reflection. Of, I just murdered people. Yeah, it took a life. Like it's just cool. Yeah. Like when when Jack Walsh shoots that helicopter, <laughs> and now granted the helicopter was shooting at them, so it's it's self defense. Yeah, 
And he, Definitely. And he shot him to save Duke's life. Yeah. Right? But when it yeah. crashes, he just, like, laughs. He's just like, well, how about that shit? <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't, and he, you know, he aims for a smaller target. Like, he, he aims for the back of the helicopter, where right. there's a guy with a gun right in front of him. He could, presumably, he'd have a better shot yeah. at that guy versus trying to take out the motor. And the, and the and tail. you know what's going to happen. You shoot the motor and, and a helicopter that's up in the air. It spins out and slams into the side of a mountain and explodes. It's beautiful. Yeah. Just And then just laughs at all. He's like, well, we did it. I there we it. go. All right. That time, happened. Time to get back on the road. <laughs> but yeah, those were the only two deaths documented. Yeah, it in was. In that movie. Yeah. Poor guys. So another thing about De Niro. Tell me. So the guy is super intense mm-hmm. playing this character. Mm-hmm. He ended up hurting John Ashton mm-hmm. in one of their one of their one of their like physical scenes with each other. Oh really? Like got really rough with him. He hurt Charles Grodin Grodin <laughs> when? when he put every time he put the cuffs on him, he like did it super tight. Oh really? And supposedly Grodin's got scars on his wrist <laughs> from this. Wow. He's just De Niro's a method actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally excusable. So to yeah, hurt your, yeah, hurt your anything <laughs> goes, and it's fine. It's all right. We're uh, I'm working here. This I'm gonna really punch you. It says uh, Jack punches. Uh, what was it? Oh, I forgot. Marvin. John Marvin. Marvin yeah. Dorfler. Dorfler. Yeah. I I bet it was probably when Dor- uh, Marvin catches them on the train in the dark. Yeah. Because he has to he has to slam him against the wall and disarm him. Then he throws him on the ground. Uh, and it's sort of hovering over him, and then you know, fake hits him with the you know hits him with the butt of the gun. Yeah, it seemed pretty intense when he he disarmed the guy. Yeah, it was pretty. I was like, but he went for he it. also uh, goes after him. They a few other times. Yeah, they they I think, yeah. I mean, he has to sock him. He socks him twice. Yeah, he does the same gag over yeah, and over. Like, look out. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm glad they all survived this. Yeah, they did. How many times do you think the word, I'm going to say it, so kids, turn your ears off. Why don't you just bleep it? Fuck. How many times do you think that was said in this? It it said a lot. Some variation of that word. Uh, I would go high high 80s. (laughs) You're going to need to go higher. Higher than that? You're going to need to go higher. Is it 100? Higher. 110. Close. 109. You, you, you got it. Ah, you there it is. It. 109. Did you count this out or did you look that up? I, no, well, I looked it up and I counted it. Did out. you? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of F bombs. That's a lot. That's, I mean, yeah. He's, it, it's, it's constantly coming out of Jack Walsh's yeah. mouth. It's, uh, and it's crazy. It's a PG movie. It's him, it's Joey Pants, and it's, uh, oh my God, John Ashton. Yeah, they're just screaming it all just, the time. Just such rough characters. They're so like mean to each other. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. They have an they 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 have a hate hate relationship. Yeah. These guys. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the uh, another little 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 tidbit here. Gimme, I love these. So they Groden part of their chem. They they did have a really good chemistry. Groden and, yeah. and De Niro. They came up with a couple of bits that were improvised. Uh, which okay. was the whole watch storyline mm-hmm. was originally not scripted and something that they came up with. Wow. Yeah. Which was, it ends up being like a bigger 
bit that they yeah. it wasn't just like an improv thing it, it was something it, i think that they thought out and then added into the characters oh, and, okay uh added into the probably had it added into the script but wasn't there originally because the, the watch starts pretty early where he, they don't talk about it but mm-hmm. he's checking he's listening he's checking, to the watch yeah on the train yeah uh and then it, it still doesn't come up for a little bit right but he keeps checking it yeah and then he finally gets into it. that's interesting that's really cool it's, yeah it adds a perfect thing it that's that's the thing about this. Well, I guess it's not in the script initially or whatever, but there's so many nice things about this movie that you get you get some payoff or satisfaction from from it, things are set up to be resolved, and it's just, it just everything kind of works with it. I like like that watch thing, yeah, um, or just uh, you know the Jack just doing his red herrings to to Marvin to, to fake him out and then it doesn't work you know his boy boy who cried wolf thing just yeah just little little thing uh, and there was like a couple repeating of lines from earlier into later I can't I can't write yeah yeah now, but just sort of like a nice there's a nice cyclical energy to the whole thing that it's it starts and then that movie ends like you, there's no reason these two will ever come together again it, no it gets no. to be this singular adventure and I think that's great right I love it. Yeah, it's unfortunately they did do a trilogy of <laughs> TV movies. Oh, Groden that and were, De Niro? No, 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 what? no. It's about Jack Walsh, uh-huh. and it, it's like another Midnight Run and a bunch of other. There's three of them, all done back to back. It's Christopher McDonald playing, you know, Happy Happy Gilmore's Christopher. Oh, McDonald. Christopher McDonald. Yeah, yeah, playing. Uh. The Jack Walsh character. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's like a low-grade oh, oh, version no. of this that, that really... I mean, like I said, it was a TV movie in the 90s, so you know yeah. what high quality that, that would have of been. Of course. And it was written by George... All those were written by George Gallo. Really? So there was uh. a creative continuity with the original, but all different directors, and yeah. I don't think any of the other actors appeared in it. Mar- Jonathan Mardukas... Uh, that character is not in them, yeah, which was no, good. I think no, that kept the credibility of of this movie. Yeah, at least if you're if you're if you're going to try to do more stories, the, the midnight runs about Jack Walsh. So at least, all right, try to do more Jack Walsh stories. Yeah, but man, who who is asking for that? I know. <laughs> well, and it, it has come up multiple times about that they've been talking about doing a, a real sequel to it. De, Niro, De Niro's brought it up. I think the last time was. Somewhere around 2010 okay. was where supposedly they had acquired the rights to do a sequel, and they were working on getting available. But yeah. I don't—I just don't know if they could come up with the right story. And now it's past that time. So yeah. I—Grown's in his 80s, by the way. Yeah, he, and he—he he looks it too. Yeah, I mean, you know, he doesn't need to be doing film. Any, yeah, I don't, he doesn't have to be doing action buddy films and anymore. Look at how much he's acted since. I mean, yeah, he did the Be- couple of the Beethoven movies and other things. He had a talk show for think, a while. I don't think in the two thousands, these late two thousands, he's been doing much though. Right? No, he was in Louis. He had, oh yeah, yeah, for an episode there, and I think another show he was in. Pops, not the, I mean, he even if he could work, I don't care. He can he can work or not work, but there's no reason. If you if you wanted to pair them up, just make a just make a different buddy movie with them. Like, why would you want to see these two characters together? Yeah, just it's better. The ending works better when you know they're not going to see each other yeah. again. Their lives are, are it's uh it's a silly thing. But if you want to do you know 
Walter Matthau and uh, what's his face uh, in multiple movie, different movies of different. Sure. You know, you could do that. Right? You can You can do whatever I you want. If I you would, put your mind to it, David, I, you I, can I, do anything <laughs> that you want. I would see De Niro and Groden in another movie, but not another Midnight Run. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to see them now, but. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, another thing about Jack Walsh. Tell me. So, his relationship with his, with his daughter yes. I found very interesting. Yeah. This is a great, great weird moment of the movie. It's yeah. The scene in the house. The, that, that, it's a long scene where he can, comes to the, his ex-wife's home mm-hmm. who you know that he still has feelings for. His whole backstory is really actually kind of sad. Yeah, it's tragic. That he's been screwed out of his life, basically, and now is forced to do you know, basically be on the outside of everything, including his own family. Yeah. But he has no idea how to interact with his daughter. No. I mean, he, he hasn't seen them in nine years, so his daughter was probably four. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And she doesn't know what to say to him. And yeah. But it's, the scene, like, goes on. The, the moment just lingers. Mm-hmm. And this it's one of two real genuine, I felt, emotional scenes mm-hmm. that... that that those scenes still work really, were really well done. They're perfect. It's exactly what we needed to see out of Jack Walsh. Yeah. You know. And you know, you can just feel him kind of like breaking down inside yeah. as he's standing there with his daughter and he doesn't, neither of them know what to say to each other, but they have so many emotions yeah. going through and, and she represents a whole life that he's lost. Yeah. It's, it's touching. It is, and, and it that, and there's there to Martin Brest's credit, like he uses a lot of lingering shots just to make sure you're paying attention to these guys acting mm-hmm. without having to say a word. Yeah, and so it, I love that. That there's probably I think three or four uh, of these kinds of shots, or or at least you know they're they're shot this way. Yeah, to you have to sit there with their uncomfortableness or their you know whatever whatever is on their mind, mm-hmm. and you're just you have to take it in. That's great. He doesn't. Martin Brest doesn't have a problem with with stretching things out in a movie and and really like taking the time to make sure that the audience gets what he's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And his daughter, Jack's daughter, like she's the one who shows him how to be kind, how to mm. be you know. Mm-hmm. Mardukas is sort of like kind of hitting him with some of this stuff, but he's not hearing it. It's the daughter when she runs out and, and wants to give him her her babysitting money. Yeah. That that really really like exemplifies how to be how to be truly kind to somebody. Yeah. That I don't think he's had that. He has such he's involved with such rough characters in his life all the time that he doesn't see that or he's forgotten that that exists and that's still out there. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't remember if it was before or after meeting his daughter it probably was before but when he's explaining to the Duke uh, his problems with the NYPD NYPD Chicago PT mm-hmm. and explaining how the whole they're all corrupt and then uh, Marduka says you know there's good people and bad people everywhere and 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 Walsh says uh, I really just see the bad yeah I really can't see the good so yeah I think that either way his daughter is the Actually, you're right. Breaks 
breaks through to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because it's at that point that he really starts to... He's turned a corner. Yeah. But... He's not forever changed, but that, no. that's the catalyst. That starts right. his... That starts the last leg of his journey with, right. with the Duke. Because he... Right up, almost right up until the end. He, it is right up until the end. Well, yeah. yeah, it's a last second decision. That, yeah. yeah, split second. Now, for as great as as that moment in the house is, yeah, and and what's going on with their relationship, a problem I have with the movie is that after that point, the da- whole daughter thing is brushed off. Hmm. Like you, you don't go back to it, mm-hmm. and there's no. There's no sense that he is going to go try and repair to repair this relationship, which I feel I feel like watching it now. That's something that would be in the forefront of his mind. Right. Not not opening a coffee shop. Right. You know, like get back in there and build a relationship with that daughter. And it really it really bumped me that that was just just. We're moving on. Like as soon as the daughter's out of the picture, we're moving on mm-hmm. back to this. Forget her. Never going back there. Yeah. All it would take. All it would take is just some sort of hint that he would go back. Yeah. And you could satisfy that. Yeah, I think you but, would. I would think that you would go back and yeah. and put something in there yeah. that would indicate that he's going to try to to repair that relationship. Yeah. Because she wanted it. Yeah. And he wanted it. But after that moment, it's gone. It's that whole plot, the whole element of... I mean, he lost his wife, too. His, the, the woman that he's in love with and still in love with. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just gone. Yeah. I mean, we eventually... Later on, we hear the whole backstory of what happened. Right. Uh, so we learn the depth of that. But I don't know. That just really rubbed me the wrong way. And, and, and that, like started to work against the movie for me well i can see it i can see what you're saying and and i think it's of that of that time people you know probably the men of that era were you know they left a a life behind you know i Mm -hmm. can't interfere like he knows his wife's being taken care of he knows his daughter's being taken care of he and now he must be the tragic loner you know the 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 result of his decisions he will have to suffer forever and it's this sort of male martyrdom complex this um, uh, sort of an avoidance of um, of true emotion kind of thing that just the, the hardened man you know trying to just survive even if even if he wants something else yeah and that so yeah this film is just another example of like perpetuating that and not trying to fill you know he it's probably his emotional change and arc and finding the goodness of himself is probably just so monumental f- from the perspective of these filmmakers that that's enough. Now yeah. we're just going to close the book on it. But I mean, yeah, probably even then. And particularly today, if they had a moment like that, something where he was going to go beyond still would keep everything intact in sure. the film and, and give a little, it would give, give it even more. more. So, but I, and, and that's a thing I, that's a, a thing with 80, 80s movies, especially these eighties action comedy yeah. movies, that they they're gonna if they have a, sometimes they'll have opportunities to give even more emotional depth, and they don't they just don't want to go there. No. And this movie, I had a harder time staying with that this mm-hmm. time, 
like, oh, I know we're just going to skip over that and go, we're just got to get to the next chase scene in the desert or wherever they're going next. Like, we're just, we're just got to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt this time that that was more of the driving force was get through the emotional stuff when it, when they come up and just get back to the action and chase and brush off that those scenes happened. Uh. And this this was just the big example for me, but it really it stuck with me and it and it held me back from loving the movie the way I used to. I see. Yeah. Or the way I remembered it. I got you. Yeah. It, well, and it comes from a yeah, this new lens of the life you live today. Yeah. And the sensibilities you have and I as just, an adult. I chalk yeah. it up to an to an 80s mentality. Yeah. Most most movies of the 80s were of a lighthearted nature one way or another. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And you just you didn't get that depth. I mean, this movie in the seventies would be like the last detail, mm. the Jack Nicholson movie. Mm-hmm. But the, a, a, you know, a road trip movie that is very heavy on the emotional depth and way less on the you know. There's almost no action in that movie, but mm-hmm. very very little. Uh, and, and that's that's what this version would have been like in the seventies. But I see. So I don't know. It, it, this it it didn't work for me as well because of that. I get you. Hmm. It just stuck with like it really just stuck with me this time. Yeah, I could see that. I understand. Yeah. I don't. I. Mm. And then probably because I don't have the a a point of view of this movie from before that that I only see as as it is. And mm-hmm. I also see it as a product of its time. And so I will acknowledge that flaw in, of the story and of the character. Um, but at, at least he got to go through that. At least they get to do that. At that's least. that's true. And I think part... I think he, part got, he got a lot more than a lot of other 80s action movies would have. Absolutely. I'll, I'll say that for and, sure. And I think, I think what's so great about Mardukas is just he keeps hammering him with gentleness kindness um uh, friendship you know it just Mardukas is an interesting guy yeah just on his own and he and he's just is his he is who he is and so is Walsh but um they yeah, don't he's I mean he's on, the whole time he's honest mm-hmm. and a lot of this movie is about understanding right and he's he's understanding when he keeps talking to Jack He's trying to understand him. He's trying to understand what happened with him. He's constantly asking him what happened with you, what, yeah. you know, wants to know the backstory. Yeah. He tells the truth, whether you, you know, whether Jack likes it or not, he tells the truth pretty much the entire way. I think just where he, he lies a little bit with uh, that he can't fly. Right. But he does say that he has a lot of money on him. Yeah, <laughs> which he did. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and he crazy. says he's going to give him the slip, and he does. Yeah. And you know. Yep. Uh, but that's so he's trying to understand Jack, and Jack's storyline is about gaining self-understanding and self-acceptance and opening up his really closed life. He's mm-hmm. built all these walls because of how he got run out of Chicago and his life was turned upside down really and forced out of everything. He's built these emotional walls around himself that Mardukas helps him in the length of the film tear down. 
Yeah, and he's, he's forced to become a bounty hunter because he, he can't join a fraternity uh, of people who could turn against him or mm-hmm. uh, who could hold anything against him. It's, it's, he's just doing a loner's job. You know, he never has to take a payoff. And he doesn't sit there and talk about the, like, the morality of being a good person or anything. It's just who he is. I'm not taking a payoff. Right. You know? And he doesn't defend it in any other thing other than, I don't do that. I'm yeah. not going to do that. So that's what's great. There's this understated quality to him. Like, he's a good guy. And, you know, he sees bad all around him. And there, I thought there might be a line, like, where, where Mardukas might say, yeah, but you're you're the good one, you know, or something like that. But you don't, you don't need to do that. You don't need to be overt. Because, no. Because he's, they're both essentially, they're both, quote, unquote, good people. Mm-hmm. He just Mardukas has to show him how to find that yeah. side of himself. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, and and trying to get his backstory, but also like, why do you smoke? Why do you eat like this? Yeah. Why do you? What happened? Why do you do? So it, and it, and luckily, I like how it's done. Where, well, Walsh doesn't. He doesn't want to talk about that stuff. He he is able to open up to him even just a little bit. He's like, ah, just to get you off my back, I'll tell you, like. It's not. It's not just convenient for the audience. It's you can sort of see this is a guy who he has emotion and depth, and he doesn't have that with anyone in his whole life yeah. because he doesn't have a wife and daughter anymore. So at least he's going to talk to the guy who's asking for it. Right. You know, it's a little bit of therapy. Yeah. You'd say that Mardukas was analyzing this. Yeah. <laughs> you just you just did that. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, but every and every time Jack resists. Because Mardukas like tries to open that door mm-hmm. many times throughout the movie, mm-hmm. and every time Jack resists, it's almost immediately followed by chaos afterwards. Exactly, like there's some something goes wrong. Something goes wrong, <laughs> and that's when they start to get separated, and yeah. and then the and the train cars where they kind of come back together emotionally, you know, start to really merge emotionally. Yeah, that the the walls are really breaking down at mm-hmm. that point. Um, yeah. And by the end, you know, Jack has has kind of completed that arc. And the the I was saying there's two genuine emotional emotionally uh, really well done scenes. The second one being at the end, their last conversation with each other. Yeah, was really well done. It Absolutely. was. It kind of nails all the feelings. Yes, I think you're right. Um, everything it's earned at the end you there's it's completely genuine it makes complete sense that now their adventure's over they 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 would they they like each other yeah and that's and they're sort of probably grateful for each other yeah you know uh, i think they realized what each of them has done for each other yeah i mean jack hasn't done as much emotionally for mardukas but no. he doesn't but need he freed to. him you know he yeah. he let him go yeah. Right at the last second. Yeah, he gave him what he needed, and Mardukas gave Jack what he needed. And Jack, Jack's goal was to complete the midnight run, and <laughs> for his own, really, ultimately, <laughs> I mean, he keeps saying it's for the money, mm-hmm. but it was really his own self-accomplishment that he wanted to get that done. I don't, <laughs> I don't think he actually cared. I think that was a nice little excuse. He's like, I wanted to get you to L.A. before midnight, and I did it. Like, I don't know. I think he wanted to prove it to himself that he's... He's good. He get to, he's, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he had, still good at his job that he could do that. He fucked up that job so much. Well, yeah. He had to use a he had to use a private jet, I think. No, I guess he was on a commercial flight to LAX, but yeah, that's uh, at the end. But it, it is funny the contrast. Oh, another cyclical thing like no, I guess it wasn't really cyclical, but like early on when Walsh had Mardukas and you see Dorfler uh, get on the case. Dorfler's eating chicken wings on a bed with his with his uh, his bounty, you know, like handcuffed hand- to the <laughs> to the radiator. But then you Who go Who was also in Beverly Hills Cop. Oh yeah. In the very beginning. Uh and then then you cut to Jack and the Duke, and Jack's also having chicken wings, but they're they're in the nice train car and everything like that. Yeah. There's a difference between these two guys. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot more. I mean, Jack is much more humane. Yeah. And not a pig. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. They just, yeah, the, the the prisoner asked him for, hey, can I get a piece of that? And he's, I think, oh, he said something kind of crude. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it just... And he's just laying on the bed, like in front of the guy. Like it's just weird. John like, Ashton. Just gross. I, I don't know so what. Funny. I don't know what happened. Why he? You don't like once we got into the mid '90s, you kind of stopped seeing him. But he's so great. He's yeah. great at this character. The big, kind of brutish, kind of asshole, mm-hmm. but also kind of an idiot. Yeah, he, you'd think he's. He probably is kind of smart for what he does, but he's just I think he's idiot. good at his job, but not a smart guy. Yeah. Like, street smart, but not... I mean, the fact that Joey Pants gets him to do it for way <laughs> less money. Yeah, 25000 25, But, like, he shows up at the wrong time and just gets his ass kicked for yeah. it. Like, if, you, if we were watching this movie from his perspective, he'd just be seeing all this, like, crazy shit happen to yeah. him that he has no control over. Keep showing up at either, you know, the wrong time for him, but the right time for Jack. Yeah. So I think part of it is he's just unfortunate. Yeah. He's just he's just unlucky sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, and so yeah. Well, what? Well, I was gonna say. Gonna I mean, say? I mean, John Ashton, fantastic. There's a lot of. Ta- we went over the talented yeah. cast in this show. Yeah, it's definitely a win in the supporting cast uh, category but I'm thinking well I think you and I we need to talk there's one person who wasn't in this movie right well I mean we should probably go over it but, well why don't we go to the corner and talk about it alright Kurt's Corner here we go alright 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 everybody we're going back we're back where we're, we're here up, send a stretch and alright uh, the corner yeah we made our way over and um, so yeah we're talking about talented cast talented actors just making this movie great but i have a question for you number one is kurt russell in this movie i think he i think he might have been in it yeah i think when they're in the desert there's there's a guy behind one of the one of the bushes in it when they're in arizona Mm -hmm. i swear that's kurt yeah so just watching okay just taking a look so i could spot that hair anywhere so so inconclusive it's inconclusive. Inconclusive. <laughs> inconclusive if he's in this movie. So, well, for the sake of it, inconclusive, but leaning no. Leaning no. Likely yeah. not in this Yeah, movie. not featured. We'll okay. say that. Um, well, since he's not in this movie, who's got the best hair of this feature? This one's mm, tough. This is a tough one. There, there aren't many hairstyles that really stand out. No. I, my gut says Dennis Farina. 
Uh, with the, well, yeah, he's got that quaff. That, he's got yeah. that Dennis Farina yeah. that look. Um, I mean, honestly, De Niro's haircut is just fantastic for me. I love it. I love that. It's it pretty looks, straightforward. It looks great. It, yeah. it looks great in that It does. Haircut. He does look really good with just that, that short, shorter... Shorter than usual, yeah, De Niro cut. Yeah, that, that, that just you know, it's, it frames Looks his face. Cool. He's got he's got cool, just just enough length. Cool at the top. hair, cool cigarettes, cool, cool cigarettes. jacket. Ah, the coolest. Just do you have yeah. what kind of shoes did he wear? He was wearing like these black. Yeah, they weren't like cowboy. Shoes. They were boots, but not like cowboy boots. They're like men's shoes. Yeah, <laughs> just men guy shoes. <laughs> Bounty hunter shoes. Bounty hunters wear the shoes. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a standard issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, at bo- a, a bounty hunter school, you learn how to do <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly. Wear those. Um, so yeah, I mean, for me, it's probably De Niro, but it, overall, probably Dennis Farina's got. He's got that. Hair. It's a toss-up. Yeah. Maybe they should fight it out. Yeah, that'd be. I'd love to see a fist fight between today. Dennis Farina surprisingly never shows up in any of De Niro's mafia movies. Hmm. That is far, yeah, from what I can remember, okay. I don't think he does like a whole separate mafia thing. But yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of crossover between a lot of the supporting guys and mm-hmm. these things. But I don't know. This doesn't didn't work out for them. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think didn't we lose uh, Dennis Farina? Uh, yes, a, that was a tragic, years ago? tragic loss. Yeah, gee. Um, a lot of a lot of great movies and performances from him. Yeah, well, we're lucky we had him. And I think New Girl was one of his last. Yeah, it was like one of his last. And he's ones. really good in it. Yes, he is. I think he plays Max Greenfield's father. Yeah, yeah. Or does he play? I think he would. Yeah, yeah I think. That's it. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, okay. Uh, so in 1998, this movie comes out. 88. 88. <laughs> Why'd you say that? <laughs> does a, a 1988 Kurt Russell fit in this movie? Could. Could you work him in this one? Absolutely. He's you think? Jack Walsh, totally. Jack Walsh? Yeah. Totally. I mean, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. That would be great. Which, I mean, he defines you, Kurt, Kurt, especially at this cool. point. This is right after Big Trouble, right after Overboard, right before Tango and Cash. Right. So mm-hmm. he, I think he could definitely be Jack Walsh. Yeah, I think he's, he's right. He's, that'd be the only role for him, I think. He'd have to be the lead. I couldn't He'd see him as Mardukas. No. It'd be an interesting take. Yeah. He'd be a little more sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. And he's too smart to play Dorfler. Right. Yeah, that wouldn't be... Yeah, you wouldn't want to see him get his comeuppance. No, like, no. No. Uh, Unless you did, you know, overhaul that character. Yeah. No. But, that, no. no. So he could fit. You're right. Yeah. I think. I think he could... Love De Niro, probably the perfect casting for this movie, aside from Kurt right. Russell. If he's not, if if you haven't cast Kurt, you've already made a mistake. <laughs> right. There's already a flaw yeah. in your plan. So I mean, maybe it'll be the only one, but it's it's a big one. It's, it's a big there. one. Uh, and then finally, let's talk about who is in this movie. Now, with this, there's a couple of easy things here for you. So I'm gonna. Yeah. Let's. So. Let's just get that out of the way. Can you connect Robert De Niro to Kurt Russell? Done. Go. Backdraft. Backdraft. We're in a movie together. <laughs> right off the bat. Nice work. Now, is that the only movie they were in together? I think so. Based yeah. on my research. Yeah, my Rolodex is saying that's it. Your magic eight ball is saying yeah. looks looks good. 
Um, so how about this? Can you get to Joe Pantoliano from Kurt Russell? Joey Pants to Kurt. Let's see it. Do it. Yeah. Give me. Yeah. Give me. Uh, give me a second. Bum, bum, bum. Let's let's talk about other things while I work this out too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe Pantoliano's hair. Boy, did they! Boy, did that did come? Really that, ex- that come came and went. Didn't they it? really exploited his baldness and, <laughs> and just made him look like. Such uh, a I got sense. it. All right, go. Um, but it's the same movie. So Joey Pants to Rebecca De Mornay, Risky Business. Uh-huh. Rebecca De Mornay to Kurt Backdraft. Well, there it is. So there you That's go. That's all right. Two yeah. steps. Two That's steps. Good. Well done. But yeah, Joey Pants' hair. My God. It's it's gone in the early '80s, but back in uh, in a lot of movies in the '90s. It's, yeah. Mysterious. Um, did you know Joe Pantoliano and Kurt were in a movie together? That would have been. Oh, tell fire away! Tell me. Gary Busey was the star of the movie. Gary Busey's the star, and Kurt Russell's in it. That's not right. Sorry, <laughs> like, that's not right. I don't think I don't think God would have let that happen. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, there was a film called uh, The Mean Season. Oh yeah, The Mean Season. Yeah, yeah. Which God, I haven't seen that yeah. forever. Yeah. So they were both in that. Okay. Um, so all right, so we we came to the corner. Let's uh, let's make all our right. way back out. We'll be. We'll, we'll, Thank yeah. you, Kurt. Thank you for everything you've done. Yeah, we love you, and, mm-hmm. and we can't. Your we chair is, is warmed up and ready for you. Here yeah, in the anytime. You are welcome anytime. Yeah, we've got a permanent drive on, so yeah, yeah, anytime. They know it goes right to my my cool watch phone that I use. The watch phone. Yeah, <laughs> sends a shock to my brain when Kurt comes on the lot. Your brain. Yeah, you have that done. I have that setting. That's a lot. It's a new app. They're experimenting wow. with it. But. Cool. Kurt Shock. So this came out, what, uh, July 22nd, 88? Yeah. 88. 1,100 screens. Number, I have number five at the box office. That week? That week, yeah. That could be. Yeah. That sounds about right. Uh, $5.5 million uh, opening. Mm-hmm. $38 million domestic for their opening run. Not bad. $81 million worldwide, so a little more... Got a little more overseas than yeah. than in the states. Considering the budge, uh, but that would be budget for you non Hollywood types. <laughs> <laughs> Considering the budge of thirty million, the domestic gross is only thirty nine. I mean, Either, yeah. this is kind of a disappointment. Yeah, it's not uh, not a huge. I think they were hit. looking for for one of those larger buddy comedies. Yeah, uh, the the kind of numbers you'd get. It, it got you know, if when you factor in the worldwide, it. Yeah, did it made its money back? Yeah, it no made a suffering. little bit, but not yeah. not a huge amount. That might have been part of the reason why you never saw a sequel. Oh, that that could be. You know, they may have been concerned about it doing. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Money always factors into these things. Yeah. Do you know what Midnight? It does. It's Hollywood. <laughs> it's it Hollywood, does. baby. It's all about the money. Do you know what Midnight Run uh, opened against? By the way. Oh, do tell. Uh, Big Top Pee Wee and Caddyshack 2. A classic and a classic. They actually beat both of those movies that weekend. So it, I don't yeah. Know. Uh, not by much. Well, by well, a million. Probably, well, I bet Die Hard was still... Die Hard opened the week before. That was probably still uh, one or two. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. sure that, that, that had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Well, we're going to we're gonna cover... I know we're going to cover Caddyshack 2. 
<laughs> we definitely. I are. know that's, that is that's a high priority in our future. We. <laughs> It's, that'll happen in the next 20 years. But, guaranteed. Yeah. Um, 20, 2027, I've got that on the calendar. Okay, so. great. Uh, but while the movie may not have done amazing financial numbers, the critics loved it. Yeah. Siskel and Ebert loved it. As they should. As, you know, as we talked about our friend Siskel and his relationship with Friday the 13th, we, we, mm-hmm. we yes. really rely on on what his opinion was well he's a smart guy he knows a lot about movies he ranked it number six of 1988 of the whole year whoa yeah so okay he liked it a lot and ebert wrote a whole bit about the that last scene in the movie between jack and mardukas at the airport so beautiful scene beautiful scene and he's he's right about that well number six uh, of the year that's that's not a bad place to be considering what came out in 88 yeah. Do you yeah. know uh, Do you know any of the top ten movies? Of 88? The top ten. 88. Uh, highest well, gross Die, die Hard. Die Hard's up there. Number seven. Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit's the second highest gross Second movie. highest. Yeah. There's Rambo one. 3? Uh, Rambo 3 is the 16th. 16th? Yeah. A Rambo movie? Rambo 3. With Stallone? Uh, Stallone was in that movie. Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> there was another sort of buddy flick that topped the box office that year rain man yeah yeah number one number one right um but also boy a lot of a lot of more broad comedy uh coming to america yep eddie murphy yep the aforementioned big with tommy hanks big uh that was a big movie uh twins with uh schwartzy schwartzy and david uh, Crocodile Dundee 2, round uh, number Oh, six. man. Yeah, that I was. I made $109 million. Crocodile Dundee 2. <laughs> uh, then Die Hard. That, that made more money than Die Hard. That's insane. It made $26 million more than Die Hard. That's insane. <laughs> I know. Uh, then Naked Gun. Great, yes. great movie. Yep. I think we should do that. Oh, we'll do, yeah. Cocktail. We're going to do that. So two Tom Cruise movies in 80. I thought Cocktail was 89, but that's, no, Born on the Fourth of July is 89. Yeah. Uh, And Rain Man technically came out in Christmas time, so. Yeah, well, that came out just in time for Oscars, so. Yeah. And then uh, rounding out top 10, Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? There's a lot of great other movies. Scrooge, Fish Called Wanda. Oh, yeah. Beaches. Great. The Old Durham. Great year. Colors. Biloxi Blues, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. You know, oh, I got one. What else? I'm going to say it for the third time today. <laughs> Young Guns. Young Guns. Where the hell is I'm that? Gonna, I'm thinking about Young Guns now. Young Guns, that's uh, ranked 22nd. Yeah. All right. What a year for movies. Yeah. 88, like, movies are just we're getting se- better and better and exciting and fun. I love this. And we're celebrating the year 1988 right now it's right. a 30th anniversary 30th anniversary congratulations so, everybody yeah we made it uh but getting back to midnight run so sorry for the i'm gonna say and i know maybe i haven't indicated it as much as i uh, was thinking it but i don't know what what i mentioned before about not holding on to some of those more emotional beats like with his daughter really held me back from loving the movie. Hmm. I don't know, and I don't... And because of that constant lightheartedness where there's more opportunities for some depth, they do have moments of depth, but I felt like there was a lot more they could have done. 
I don't know. So I because of that reason, I, I don't feel like it ages as well as I expected it to. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The, and some of the action plays kind of silly almost to me. Well, with a Danny Elfman score giving, you know, he, Danny Elfman did great because he's do, you know, he does these big fucking, you know, compositions and he's, mm-hmm. he's got to be like all bluesy and kind of lighthearted the yeah. whole way through. I think it works, by the way. I love, I love, I love that theme song. The it's, theme song is, yeah, but there are so parts fun. of it that, and I get, I mean, that's his intention is to keep it light. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I enjoy that as much as I did. Interesting. Yeah. I kind of, I really kind of enjoy that. I, I still, I do see it as a product of its time only, but only in that, that lack of continuing that emotional depth. The, the thing that you, you see as a major flaw, I, I agree with and acknowledge, but I think it has more than enough to, to sort of make up for it. You know, they, they, they have a missed opportunity in, mm-hmm. that, in expanding that. But man, as a whole, overall, for this two-hour and seven-minute freaking movie, uh, I, I I was enthralled. I I love. I really you feel like it's it. too long. No. Does it need to be over two hours? It doesn't need to be, but I, I think you're. I I think it's that's intimidating to think of buddy action comedy being two hours and change. Yeah. But there's not a lot of time wasted. There, I think I think you can tighten. I think you could tighten it up by ten minutes. Yeah. Um, but I I, I, I wonder. You get in there, get in there in the editing room, gonna, and chop ten minutes out of this I'll movie and see how it. it how it, <laughs> it plays. Um, so I don't so know. you're saying like just thumbs down, don't see this movie anymore. I don't know if I'd say don't see it. Yeah. Uh, I say I don't know. I wouldn't have the highest expectations for it. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Especially if you've seen it. Now that's coming from someone who saw it, you know, being younger when I saw it. Yeah. So you have that imprinted on your on your brain. If you just saw it for the first time now, yeah, yeah, I think you'd probably enjoy it. Yeah. You don't have something to compare it to from when you were younger, but mm, I guess. But I mean, I have enough. I've seen enough other movies to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, when we talked uh, Independence Day. We talked. We talked a lot about it, and how, and like talked about the cool shit we thought was cool about it, and that it doesn't really hold up. That was my surprising. No. That was my surprising ending to our conversation. It was like, yeah, you're right. This there's way better like movies to watch yeah. if you want to see this kind if of. If you want to see in you know in action alien invasion, there's there's other movies. But I but think even if you want to if you want to see De Niro, De Niro and 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 some pathos and some and I mean, it it's a funny game day movie. I mean it's. But if you're looking for a buddy buddy movie, is this going to be the top one that you go after? Not top one. Top that's it, top one. So like anything no, well, below no, one no, isn't no. worth the effort. That's not fair. I'm not going to go. No, see. but would it be like would it be near the top? When I, you think of buddy cop or 80s buddy movie, where does it rank? I mean, does it rank in the top like handful? I think it's top five. You think it's top five? Sure. Ten, okay. Planes, trains, automobiles. I know you just said buddy cop, but if you're going to think 80s buddy. Yeah, I immediately think. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop, weapon. 48 Hours, Lethal Weapon, Plane Strains. This, is, this yeah. gets to be up there. Tango and Cash is now. That's amazing movie. Yeah. But also is a little bit of a Be par- careful. I'm just warning you. Be <laughs> careful. 
but it's almost a really heightened height, heightened version of all of these things. Oh my god! Yeah, this is this is Last Action Hero before Last Action. Yeah, Hero, you know, uh, totally. Which yes. I lo- love I, it. Tango and Cash is perfect. I can't wait to talk all <laughs> things Tango and Cash. Um, but I mean, and I'm going to say something controversial here. I think Midnight Run might be funnier than like Ghostbusters. Like it's just funny. There's, what? It's just funny. It's just great. I think about I Ghostbusters. Don't know, I don't know if I have anything left to say to you. <laughs> it just kind of occurred to me. I'm like, what's That's another blasphemous. 80s? Ghostbusters is hilarious. Is it funny? Oh, you're though? talking about the Ghostbusters from 2016. No, that, I get it. That's the one you're talking. That about. one's way. Yeah. That one's way funnier. Or than you're the talking about Ghostbusters too. I'll give you that. <laughs> no, no. So the remake is way funnier than the original. Only in terms of the fact that they purposely just do jokes all the time. And they most of those jokes land. What, Ghostbusters, is, my, what, what is my silence saying go, to you right <laughs> now? I shouldn't have said any of this. That's what it's saying. Ghostbusters whimsical. It's whimsical, very funny, very talented cast. It has very funny well, in moments. What, but what, I, I'm, what, not, I'm not just saying this to be... I, but honestly, I was just like, there's just... All throughout a lot of it, this kind of felt like Ghostbusters to me, where I'm just sort of like enjoying every scene. There's something to take from it. It's got a little more of that dra- dramatic and emotional depth uh, than that movie. But I mean, just talented, two talented guys, well, talented cast, making every scene just a lot of fun to get through. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite, it's not Ghostbusters, yeah, in a, in, a, in a, even in a comedic sense. But in terms of like. Con- enjoying it throughout yeah i get what you're trying to i get what you're saying yeah so it's probably funnier than ghostbusters (laughs) (laughs) so i guess what i would say is yeah give it a rewatch don't have the highest expectations for it yeah uh it may not hold up for you yeah you may you may see it differently yeah you may because we've we've had enough movies we've had enough films now that you can have that comedic element and you can give your characters a lot of depth and really complete complete that that journey with them that do it better yeah this one is lacking a critical aspect that i i i get it and it's and i feel like it's only cuz it's a product of the 80s if it were mm-hmm. made a different time yeah i think if it were made in the 90s this movie would be a lot worse oh yeah oh, and if yeah. it was made in the 70s it would be a completely different over, not overly emotional, but only the emotional stuff and yeah. no action. It's not a lot of wacky, yeah. Yeah, wacky car chases. And shit. Yeah. Like one yeah. car chase, probably, or yeah. something. But, yeah. Um, okay. So the, so that's where we're at. Yeah. That's that's our call. As funny as Ghostbusters, may, you may not like it. And Oh, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Next year, it's Ghostbusters' 35th anniversary. So, so we'll watch all three. I think. We'll watch the trilogy. Well, we'll do that. We'll do. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna we're gonna cover Ghostbusters next year. I'm saying it right now. Okay. So yeah, mark your calendars. Yeah. When did it come out? Mark your calendars June? for 2019. <laughs> the whole mark every day. Every day. There's gonna be episodes all the time. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. We've got anniversaries. We're gonna be out. firing these out left and right. Well, I'm glad everyone's here to join us on all this. Yeah, especially. I want to go back and thank our uh, our listeners in Finland. Thank you, Finns. Yeah. We appreciate you. We know it's a long way for our, our audio 
you know, our audio uh, tracks to travel, to travel all oh the way God. to Finland. All the way to Finland. But this is true. We've got a Finnish listener. Yeah, at we least do. One. That's a real thing. So thank you. Uh, email us, please. Yeah. Tell us how you're feeling. Yeah. And thanks to everybody else for tuning in yeah. uh, and checking out the show again. Yes. We've got more stuff as we head into the fall. We've got a lot of a lot of good films coming your way. Yeah. Hey, if you get a chance, guys, seriously, if you have iTunes, you can if you can just leave us some stars just to help us with those numbers, it helps us get in front of everybody yeah, on the Apple Podcasts. Uh, and a, a small handwritten review. It could just it, you could be generous with the compliments, you know. Yeah, just just or like you say what you feel, but maybe like in a four five or five star, compliments, four or five at minimum. Yeah, you know, five stars definitely. Yeah. We would really appreciate that. Yeah, the, just, the, the more five star reviews we get, the the more you know, the bigger uh, the empire grows. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. we'll we'll bump up on the search lists and yeah. and and we'll be uh, we'll spread the show out that we way. We want people to find us we and we hope that you're enjoying it so you would want to spread that joy yeah. with everybody. So And thanks again to our uh, friends helping us out. Thanks Curtis, Curtis Moore with the artwork. There's plenty more where that came from. Yes. Yep. Shut it down. We did it. Uh, EK Wimmer with the with our new theme song and and uh, starting a new friendship there. Yes, we're so lucky to uh, to uh, be working with EK. Yeah. And check his website out, ekwimmer.com. Oh man, Be- beautiful, uh, beautiful artwork, amazing compositions. Yeah. This guy is talented artist, the real deal, an artist through and through. Truly, yeah. I, I was very blown away looking at his portfolio of work. Uh, he's not just anything; he is a an artist throughout extraordinaire yeah um okay well, well, that's I, it. that I wraps mean, it up i think yeah i think i said everything i need to say you've gotten through about... your 25 pages of notes on midnight run <laughs> yep and All uh 25 this yep done i think i can I'm i think go. i know what's coming next but uh we'll leave that Let's keep you keep your eyes on social media yeah. our facebook page our insta insta tweet yes and, we'll be dropping uh, hints yeah and then maybe um, overt uh, well at some point I'm just gonna say it okay <laughs> we're just gonna have to tell you guys <laughs> so I'm just gonna go have a cream soda and relax yeah after this uh, thank you alright guys we'll see you in uh, in two weeks thanks for listening ciao for now